for our sponsor, Dog Overboard Adamstown, the fun and healthy place for dogs. Pet Chat on your pet-friendly radio station, 2NURFM 103.7. We mention our beloved pooches because, of course, it is time for Pet Chat. Hello, it's Sarah with you. Welcome, Cheryl Shaw and Dr David Tabrit. Lovely to Sarah? have you both here. Thank Hello. you. What are we chatting about today, Cheryl? Well, you're just talking about that hot weather that's yeah. coming up. We're going to be talking about looking after pet birds. You know, hot weather is really a problem for so many animals. They certainly feel it. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll look at that. And David, what are we chatting about later on today? I went to the dentist last week. Uh-oh. So... How many fillings? Yeah, two. Um, so I'm wondering about our pets. Do they need dental care? Let's have a chat about that. Now, Cheryl Shaw, we're looking at birds. Last time we spoke about birds, um, the phones went off. It was National Bird Day. It was. Bird, bird Count Day. And that count went really well. It was Did a it? fantastic yeah, record for them and lots of people got involved. And I know Dr Bob actually got involved in that as well. So. Oh, good on him. And I'm still counting. Every time I walk out, I have a look what's out there. I always think about it now. <laughs> Yeah, it's a real awareness, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's really good. But we're looking at birds again today in a slightly different way, though. That's right. Well, heat stress, it's called heat prostration in birds. It's a real problem for our little feathered friends. And during hot weather, we need to keep them comfortable. Did you know that birds don't have any sweat glands? I didn't know that, no. Yeah. So that's a real problem for them. So to cool themselves down, they open their mouths. And you've got to picture this. They then start rapid breathing and they hold their wings out from their body. So when you imagine that, it's the chicken dance, isn't it? It is the chicken dance. Yes, it is. <laughs> Demonstration, please. That's right. So when we've got our little wings flapping, what we can do if we realise our birds are feeling the heat, like if, if you go out today and you're Avery and the birds look quite hot, it's a great idea to miss them. Just get a little water bottle and miss the birds. That will help them to cool down. Okay. The reason that the birds put their little wings out is because underneath their wings they don't have any feathers and um, there's some main arteries under there. So what they're trying to do is cool their body down by by actually having their wings out. Um, If you do cool your your birds with misting, birds like canaries and galahs and budgies just absolutely love that water just being sprayed on them. So you'll enjoy the experience of watching them cool down as well. Also, birds don't actually like to drink warm water, so changing their bottle, um, their bottle of water or their um, bowls or dishes yeah, of water yep. is really important just to keep them going back and keeping themselves hydrated. Uh, lots of aviaries have tin roofs as well, which really creates a problem. Mm. Um, this year I actually went out and bought some new um, Goulian finches, which are those colourful little Australian finches. And the breeder I brought them from had a fantastic aviary, like talk about five star. He had a sprinkler system that was on a timer on top of the tin I roof. I was going to ask if, if you can do that. Yeah, it's a fabulous idea. But not only that, he had little drippers coming down that went into raised terracotta bowls so that they were quite shallow, but the birds could actually go and either drink from them or cool down. What a great idea. Fabulous idea. So it's not that it's expensive to do that. People can look at their aviary and design some sort of irrigation for it. Can you water them too much? Obviously he had his um, sprinklers on a bit of a timing schedule, but would you put that on like once a day or twice a day or depending on the heat you could turn it on more? I think, Sarah, depending on the heat you would do it because you don't want to make that aviary um, floor really wet um, otherwise you're going to have problems as well. So you need to make sure that you are monitoring just how much moisture is coming into the aviary and, and particularly for the drainage away. Okay, yep. So 
but that's, with the outside birds, there's a few things we can do. But often we have indoor birds. I mean, I actually have a canary in my conservatorium who I have to move quite regularly. Okay. But people turn on the air conditioners, which is great for us, but it's really bad for birds because air conditioners do a couple of things. Obviously, they cool the air or they heat it in the, in the wintertime, but they also dry the the air out so they take the moisture out now a lot of exotic birds live in climates that are moist and quite warm yep. so when we put them into air conditioning not only the draft but the changes in that air can really affect the birds so then they can become really stressed um, they can get all sorts of things from pneumonia right through so we need to be very very mindful of birds that are inside in air conditioning one of the interesting things that I just recently saw, it came through as a, um, a, a product of for sale, was heated bird perches. David, have you ever seen those? Mm. Yeah, yeah, quite interesting. They stop birds from getting cramps in their feet, but they huh. also warm them up. So if you have got an exotic bird and it's inside, maybe investing in one of those little electric um, perches that heat would be a good idea. So Cheryl, if you had a bird inside and you're going to put your aircon on, obviously move it away so it's not in yeah. the direct line of the, the air conditioning, Absolutely. maybe another room, etc. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Keep it away from that draft because we just don't want to chill the bird off and cause stress. A lot of stress that happens with birds from that, they'll start um, plucking out their feathers as well. So we want to avoid as many stresses as we can Okay. and, and keeping them out of the draft, moving them, covering them over, just so that they're not in a draft situation. Because a lot of people think um myself included that when you know birds are they're quite easy to to manage and obviously in a lot of respects they are but i know some friends and my nan have birds and there is a lot of things to consider yeah. you've got to make sure that you're mm. looking after them the right way and the thing is too that we take it for granted a lot we a lot of people just purchase you know um seed from the supermarket or whatever and it's not enough they really do some birds need really special diets which is very important sure i think when um i worked in a practice uh, for five years or so doing bird medicine is a big part of it and uh, the interesting thing I found was that the consultations that we had uh, were far longer than our consultation for a dog or a cat you know we're talking oh, okay. 45 minutes to an hour wow. because almost every uh, scenario that a patient came in with a bird or so on um, we needed to talk about the environment we needed yes. to talk about sure. what's going on in your cage setup your aviary setup and it wasn't just a matter of treating the disease it was treating the bird and the environment it's not as simple there's many options yeah and so you know the outside bird is it getting misted enough um, not too much so we don't get algae and fungi growing mm. keeping the water bottles clean um, inside bird, like you said, keeping them out of the draft. Do they have access to, you know, adequate perching? Do they have uh, um, materials like leaves and flowers and sticks and so on that also gives them behavioural enrichment? But the other thing I was thinking about was green leaves in a cage would provide some humidity and give up moisture yes, as well. So it actually provides the bird with that yeah. behavioural and mental stimulation, but also helps look after their health and a lot of people use sorry sarah a lot of people use um fruit as well putting it in a little um oh, shallow bowl idea. of water so lots of birds um really enjoy the fruit yeah you've you do have to change that pretty frequently yes like yes. pretty much like six hours because they will start to decompose and you just the sugars come out and you don't mm. want bacteria growing yeah but um a lot of our bird species are actually uh either you know, nectivorous birds or um, fruit-eating birds, particularly the tropical species, parrots and so on, that we have in Australia. So you're absolutely right. The bird seed that you buy at the supermarket has too much fat, not enough vitamin A, 
Um, and so it's uh, we used to say to people, it's the equivalent of feeding yourself um, Mars bars and hamburgers all day. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> you know, it might taste good. Birds love it because it tastes good, but it's not the it's best not diet. Right. Yeah. 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 I've always wanted to know, can you scare a bird to death? Because this has been yes. a concern of my, Really? Yes. Okay, this has been a big concern. When I stay at my nan, she's got a cockatiel, Rocky. Um, cover him up at night. But a couple of times when I stay, I take Gizmo out for a wee, my Maltese. And there's been a couple of times where Rocky is just so scared to death. So normally I try to walk out and go, Rocky, it's okay, it's us. But And I've... He's flapping around and he won't calm down. And I've thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to kill my nan's bird here. Yeah, I've had, I mean, a lot of birds, the scenarios I've seen, and I don't know if Cheryl's seen this, but it's it's more the case I've had birds that are sick that come into the hospital for a checkup. And we actually would say to people, there is a, he's so sick. Uh, and for a bird, that is pretty much if they're showing signs of illness. Yep. So they have this thing called the preservation reflex. So they'll actually project this image of themselves being so healthy to oh. keep predators away. Oh. Um, and so when birds actually now show illness, they're really, really sick. Wow, okay. And if they show illness when they're in the uh, vet hospital, because sometimes they'll do it at home and they come into the vet hospital and the owners say, oh, they look fine. And they- go, yeah, but he is sick. What he's doing is he's on, he's like, putting in his last effort. He's on high alert. Here. Yes. Mm. So if they're sick when they're in the consult room, I used to say to people, look, handling him could actually um, cause him to die. Wow. So what we would do is get them out very, very carefully with a little tea towel or something, depending on the size of the bird, handle them for probably 30 seconds to a minute and then back in the cage for five to ten minutes. Okay. So a consultation would take, and an examination could take an hour or three depending on how ill this bird is. But, yeah, literally, if they're that sick, they can be... So just they are quite prone to the... the shock stress. of handling um, mm. or being in the presence of a potential predator, like mm. a dog, mm. like Gizmo. Oh, gosh. That could do it. Gizzy's going to have to You've hold be careful. at my nens now. You'll yeah. have to go the other door. Yeah. Don't go past that bird again, Find, a, find a way. Mm. All right. You've, got, you've given me food for thought here, but I have always wondered that because, mm. yeah, he yeah. has been quite alarmed. On numerous occasions. Very interesting today, Cheryl. Thank you. Birds, thank you for that. Mm. Now, David, today mm. we are looking at dental care. We all we all need to look after our teeth, right? <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> and perhaps I should go more frequently but uh, to the dentist. But anyway, um, mm. does your pet, does Gizmo go to the dentist? Does he get checked up for his teeth? Yeah. Yes, Good he on does. you. I'm laughing because my you. husband and I had the biggest fight this morning because he needs to go mm. to the dentist mm. so badly and he won't. And I keep bringing it up. Oh, your husband up. or my Gizmo? Husband, my husband. Yeah, Gizmo's fine. Gizmo's fine. The Sean's dog's fine. So the fact that you bring up. this up today is just <laughs> hilarious. Well, look, I'm not a human dentist, but uh, teeth are pretty much the same, aren't they? But our dogs, actually, and cats, but dogs especially, you know, their diet has a big factor as well. But the biggest factor on teeth care and dental health in dogs is genetics, is actually Ah. the shape of their mouth. And when you think of all the different types of dogs and so on, different breeds, we've got this huge variance in size and shape and so on. And so we do know that, for instance, brachycephalic dogs, those dogs with the pushed-in faces... Um, will have 
misshapen or malaligned teeth and that can lead to problems because their teeth are not meeting and, and working together. Mm-hmm. Small dogs we find, uh, you know, those little lap type dogs, they're, they're often um, subject or develop teeth problems as well and okay. gum, gum health problems or periodontal disease which is the space between the tooth and the bone. Um, so they're the areas genetics diet we do know that um, softer foods can contribute Mm -hmm. Um, but more importantly than that is just regular checkups now a lot of people will say oh we should be brushing their teeth that's a great activity if you can train your dog and I would always encourage people to do it um, but you really have to train them from an early age I think you can do it with older dogs but it's just a little bit harder so really we're going to fall back to regular checkups and the thing about uh, dental care in pets is that it's really it's not what you see on the surface it's what's below the gum line it's what's underneath the gum where that's where the bacteria and the plaque develop and you get this festering mess and in some cases it's pretty yucky Um, and it can weaken the ligament between the tooth and the bone and then the teeth start to come out and that's a real concern. So when we actually go in and do a dental checkup, we will often need to anaesthetise them or at least if we're talking to people we'll say, look, this is what we can see above the uh, gum but it's really what's underneath and we're not going to get the full picture until they're anaesthetised. So um, one of the things that's come out recently is that there's this push towards anaesthesia-free dentistry Mm, mm. and it would really be best to be called cosmetic Um, it's really not going to address what's going on underneath the gum line and when I went into the dentist the other day I had a couple of x-rays done as part of the examination and and that's a critical part also of what we do with our pets so we do x-ray their mouth we're looking for uh, bone loss or erosion or weakness in that area and then we can you know, sometimes they need extractions. We certainly need to do what we call subgingival scaling, where we're actually cleaning down below the gum line. Uh, and again, that can only be done under anaesthetic effectively. Um, in particular with cats, and this is a really tricky one, there's this thing they have called feline um, osteoclastic resorptive lesions. And because that's such a big long name, hard to remember, we just call them FORLs. And um, they're very hard to see unless you x-ray. You almost don't see them, and they can basically, the tooth can fracture um, if you don't detect it and treat it. So um, it will contribute to a painful mouth. So anytime we lift the lip, we have a look. There. If there's a red line along the gum, that's a problem. If there's pain, that's a problem. If the you notice your dog is eating out of one side of the mouth and not on the other, or they drop food on one side, dogs will continue continue to eat. Um, just because they're guts, you know. Yeah. Um, whereas cats can be a little more finicky. When they get a sore mouth, they'll stop eating. But dogs will usually just shift the food around and continue to eat. So don't wait for your dog to stop eating as an indicator of dental disease. You really need to get in. Get it checked every year. Um, and a lot of these little dogs, like I said, genetically, they're probably going to require um, a dental treatment mm. and cleaning you know, once a year or once every second year, keep things in order. I guess unlike humans, when we get, um, you know, it gets really bad, we know. So we have to go because we, we, you know, we it, know. it's painful. Where with yes. our dogs, they can't tell us. Yes. So it's even more I, I always, proactive. Yeah, I always challenge people and I say, um, you know, if you look at me, can you tell where I might be feeling pain? And they say no. And I say, well, my back's killing me. 
you know. But yep. you but you couldn't tell. Yeah, yeah. So if you look at your dog, how can you tell? That's a really good way to put it, actually. You know, you don't. We don't walk around the streets and chronic pain's an issue for people, but we don't see people falling over in the street just because of it. They just get on and do their thing, and dogs yeah. are the same. Yeah. They just get on and do their thing. Yeah. So it's a good idea to get those checkups done. Hello, Greg in Rutherford. You've got a question for Dr. David Tabret today. I have. Fire away. Yes, I just want to know, um, I have a Maltese Shih Tzu, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, what do they call it? Underbite or overbite? Um, usually underbite for those guys, or brachy- right. brachynathism is the name for it. Ah, interesting. I just wanted to know why the dentals are so expensive to get done. I was I saying... Mean, I, I, I've got- I was saying the same thing myself when I went the other day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> had, two, had two fillings done and x-rays and I had to go over two days. And and I didn't even need a general anaesthetic. Oh, there you go. Um, so, look, it's, it's, a, it's a good question because it's important to explore and make sure you understand the value behind the services and what's going on. And I, I think there's a... Uh, I mean, this covers all areas of you know, whatever we do, life, um, when you do have to part with some dollars, is you want to make sure that you're seeing the value. But the value can be hard to define. Um, we were just discussing with Sarah about uh, her husband's dental yeah. problems and he's avoiding it. And I said, you know, if you keep avoiding it, he's going to end up having to have root canal therapy. And it's the same with our dogs. So really the value is, you know, what, what, pro- what problems are we preventing? Now, I saw a dog, uh, this is a few years ago probably about three years ago and it actually came in with um, a problem with its heart a very serious problem potentially fatal called endocarditis that's where there's bacteria growing inside the heart on the valve and the most common entry point into the body for that condition is through the mouth through when you have so when you have those painful teeth when you have gums that are exposed raw bleeding and there's pus there and hate to put everybody off their lunch, but that's what we're talking about. That gets bacteria. So basically, whenever we do a dental therapy, we always say to people that uh, we know for sure that there are bacteria in your dog's blood because that's how they get in there. So what we're trying to do is prevent these problems. Right. Um, and so, yeah, we're talking about an anaesthetic. Um, so that's a big difference with human, um, yes. human medicine, obviously, unless you're a real scaredy cat. Um, anaesthetic and then... X-rays are often indicated almost always because we can't see below the gun line properly and you'd be surprised at the things that crop up. Um, right. And then from that perspective, I think that most of our pet dentals are actually quite good value and certainly cost comparative to uh, human procedures. So it's fair to say, David, it's a preventative measure. Very much so, but we do know that obviously if your pet has really serious periodontal health um, we re- and it's painful, so let's you know let's remove the pain. Let's treat the infection, the bone damage, um, and obviously then in doing so we fix that problem. But we also prevent problems for the future. We've got Rowena from Carrington. Now you've got a question about a German Shepherd. Uh, yes, his name's Max. He's four years old, mm-hmm. and he's got very bad hips. Oh. And he's taken to hiding under my bed and not coming out. Mm. And I'm a bit concerned that he might be in pain. Um, but my big question is, uh, I've got some painkillers for him from the vet and he's going to get some injections for the pain. But the vet suggested that possibly...
obviously he could go on to Prozac. And I'm just wondering what your opinion of Prozac is to keep him happy. Um, we use... Uh, so Prozac is um, used in... It's a... Uh, oh, gosh, the drug names just miss me for a second. Fluoxetine. Um, yeah. So it's an antidepressant, and um, we do use it in animals, um, similarly to um, people, of course. Um could be a factor i mean just on purely on pain basis i'm not sure that it has any action there but i guess no. you, your vet would make that assessment as to um you know yeah, whether, the whether there's a need for a behavior modification um yeah. I it think was more about this hiding under the bed, hiding under the, bed yeah, the, yeah. the thing is too that he's frightened of people lately right he is he's chewing things up and fidgeting about the place eating things right. that he normally wouldn't. Yep. Then he hides under the bed, so he's frightened and he's, he's just a bit sook at the moment and I don't know whether that's to do with the pain or whether it's a behavioural thing that I should be looking at. He went to doggy daycare on Monday and failed. They said he's not welcome back because he oh. growled at all the other dogs. Um, yeah, so look, it's it's really interesting that you link those two things together. I think that's a really important point, and and we shouldn't necessarily we shouldn't separate the behaviour, which certainly it sounds like he has some anxieties, and you know, drug therapy is a very important part of that because it allows us to initiate behaviour modification therapy. So we should always right. put those two together, which means that you need to sit down and work that out with your veterinarian as yep. to, you know, okay, if we're going to put him on drug therapy, what are the actual, uh, what are the behaviour changes that we're going to put in place? What are the exercises um, that we're going to help him teach him so that he learns to be more calm around certain scenarios, people, other dogs. Right, so Prozac combined with behavioural training. Yes, but you also need to address the pain because, yes. now remembering the thing about pain is that uh, I went to a really good lecture on this last week um, with a specialist surgeon and he was saying like there's basically five sites where a pain signal is modified or moved from say a, a limb like a hip and then into the spinal cord and then into the brain stem and it's when it registers in the front of the brain that we uh. we register pain okay right. and it feels like it's coming from that area and it is but the point about that is that it's registering in the brain and behavior occurs because of brain activity the, and we know that even when we talk to people and say you know why were you cranky well it's because i'm in pain all day Right. Um, so we do have to take that into account. So it's really important not just to put him on Prozac or what, any of those drugs and, and then jump into a behaviour modification therapy. If we don't address the pain problem, he's oh, going okay, yeah. to end up failing that. Right. And then you're stuck with like a cranky dog that um, acts inappropriately, is anxious and so on. So you've really got to hit both sides of it. Okay, so probably work on the pain and then see how that goes and then try the Prozac if that's yes, training. Yes, get the pain hit on the head first. Yeah, you really need to look after that first. So that's the best approach. Thank that's you, Rowena. Four nine two one six two one six. We're going to go to Anne in Aberdeen now. Um, you want to know how to tell the sex of a rainbow lorikeet? That's right, yes. Um, it's a really good question. We Pretty much you can't. Um, oh, right. You need to do uh, surgical or DNA sexing. Oh, right. Okay. So, obviously, if you've got one and they lay an egg... No, you've, I've you've got, got a, two, but... You've got a female. One, 
yeah, I've got two. One I bought and the other one was given to me. They get on well, so if, if they were both males, would they get on all right or would they be fighting? Yes. Or? No, no, they get on. Um, so rainbow lorikeets in, in the wild, you'll find them in, you know, moderate-sized flocks. They, yep. They're not in, like, hundreds, but yep. they're, they're rarely on their own. They're a social bird. Um, yep. So you'll find that they'll get along fine. But uh, if you really wanted to explore that, then you could probably DNA sexing is the easiest way to go. Okay. Um, and if you just talk to your veterinarian, they'll either be able to do it or they'll refer you to someone who can do it. You've got to have the right samples collected because if you get contamination, yes, uh, you know you could end up with the wrong result. Right. Yeah. All right. Okay. Thank Good you, job. Anne. Having a quick look at the weather, it's all thanks to our sponsor, Snap Freeze Air Conditioning, your Dakin specialist. Uh, partly cloudy this afternoon, 60% chance of showers and then a thunderstorm a little later on this evening. Going to be pretty warm for the next couple of days. Uh, temperatures getting up around the 30s for the valley. We're going to take a couple more calls before we're out of time. Uh, let's go to Bill from Nelson Bay. Of course, we are talking pet chat. Lovely to have your company. You want to know why dogs eat grass, Bill? Yeah, that's right. I've got a Doberman at seven years old, and uh, I take him. He's like a horse. Some grass. Okay. Um, like a horse eats lots of grass. We just lost what? you there for a minute, Bill, but I think we got I, the gist of it. I've got uh, okay. my my dog uh, Amy, the bulldog, does like she eats. Although I'd never call her a horse, I think more like a pig or a cow. <laughs> um, <laughs> so she, uh, and if you saw her, you'd know why. Um, it's, it's a good question. If you discover the answer, you can let us know and we'll all know because, uh, look, a lot of people have got theories, really. Um, in the old story was that our oh, dogs ate grass to make themselves vomit. Yeah. And that's, that's not actually true, although some dogs will. But a lot of dogs will just eat grass. Maybe it's the fibre, maybe it's the flavour, maybe they just like a certain area. Um, and as I said, my uh, my dog does it all the time. There's one area she goes to and she'll just eat the grass and probably sit there for 20 minutes and eat grass and then, you know. Well, they eat feces and all sorts of things, so why not grass? Yeah, I'd, it's not a problem, though, usually. No. So. Okay. Well, mine, eats, uh, mine eats pears and peas, right. carrots. Um, no, no, doesn't like avocado. Okay, good. Well, that's not good for them. I've learnt this, particularly uh, avocado, the seeds. Avocado seeds are dangerous, although that's pretty rare that you'll find a dog that'll eat it. But also grapes. Stay away from grapes, onions, um, or oh, what else? Garlic, I guess. Yeah, but grapes are an interesting one because I know a lot of people give their dog grapes and they actually do fine, and yet we do know that there are dogs that have died after eating Yeah, well, I've learned grapes. that because Gizmo was sharing the Sultanas with Max. Sultanas, raisins, so. yeah. Okay, I think we've got time for one more call. It is Pet Chat, and a big hello to Margaret from Mennering Park. You, oh, Yes, Margaret, you've got a question about a German Shepherd also. Um, I was actually ringing up uh, the lady that rang up about sure. her German Shepherd. I, I have got a German Shepherd, Roddy Cross. Yep. And he has a, he's only eight year old and he has a lot of problems with arthritis. Mm. And I've taken him to the vet and, um, he's been on all sorts of wonderful medications that really upset his belly and, um, he really smells when he goes to the toilet, um, runny poos, etc., etc. Um, but my dog groomer, when I took him to my dog groomer a couple of weeks ago, he suggested a natural product called, um, Rosehip Vital. 
with GoPro. Ooh, and okay. I've bought some of that and I started using it on Friday. Yep. And there's, all, there's already an improvement. Excellent. Mm. That's well, I mean, good. we're always looking for, yeah. obviously, ways to help these dogs. And um, the interesting thing about, we do know that in terms of pain and inflammation, depending on the cause, that uh, some of the medications, um, you know, they can, certain dogs can have problems with or relative overdose. So we do want to be cog- aware of that. But, um, you know, if we can find other products that are helpful... Um, it's hard to a lot of these things though don't show up as being helpful once we do proper testing um, and they also don't go without side effects so okay. just you know be careful be careful all right and i think that's all we've got uh, time for today don't forget our dog of the week i've been not getting to them lately i feel terrible basil go check, check him out he's two years old he looks like a little chihuahua he's <laughs> wearing a little vest that says devilish dog but apparently he's beautiful he's a very calm puppy he naps very well um he loves his daily exercise and he's very good at keeping himself occupied so you can go check out the video at 2nurfm.com cheryl shaw dr david tabrett that's just about it for us today. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you both. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>